Let's lift our hands and love him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he is faithful to do just that. Give us just what we need and the time we need. Help the Lord. We certainly appreciate for the weeks being here and the blessing has already been. And thank God for young people that have dedicated them li their life to the cause of God. And uh, the Lord has blessed him not only to preach but to uh, sing and along with that to write many wonderful and beautiful songs, and I suppose probably just the one he just sung for us uh, this past Friday night, that beautiful song. He wrote that song. And I thank the Lord for people that will dedicate their talent to the Lord, especially young people. And we've been having for the last week, and this week we just felt led to do it, and uh, back probably a month or so ago, and that's have a young people's revival, youth revival. Brother John Hare came and blessed us, and uh, now Brother Ben Weeks, and we're just glad for them to be here and thrilled of what the Lord has done. I met with a group that had received the Holy Ghost this past Friday night and talked to them about how to go on in living for the Lord, and so far somewhere around 14, I know 14, maybe more, has uh, received the Holy Ghost. And what's so beautiful about it for a lot of them, it's been our very own and some of our very own young people. And we thank God for that wonderful victory the Lord has given. And we're expecting great things in the service tonight and uh, then this coming Tuesday night again. Let's keep believing and keep our prayers going up while victory keeps coming down. And aren't you glad? Amen. Praise God. It's certainly wonderful today to have Sister Hillard in this service. She is another absolute miracle. That back a few months ago that they had uh, just had given up. And uh, the Lord has touched her and made her able to be in this service today. Amen. Sister Hillard, it's good to have you in this service. Would you like to testify? Amen. the miracle they've had I believe three is it two or three of you girls received the Holy Ghost amen isn't that wonderful hallelujah hallelujah amen thank you Jesus praise God praise God amen we just thank the Lord uh, Boyd got the Holy Ghost here last Sunday night amen thank the Lord for that victory brother Toby Amen. Got blessed, renewed, and refilled this past Sunday night. I'll tell you what, they were just getting receiving the baptism all over this building. If you didn't, 
you didn't have the Holy Ghost, you'd have been here last Sunday night. Your chances of escaping would have been few. <laughs> Hallelujah. It covered this place like a blanket. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Uh, I'd like to ask you to be in prayer with us. I received a phone call last night that, uh, uh, well, like a brother, it's a half-brother of my dad's, uh, passed away yesterday morning, and they've asked me to preach the funeral at 11 o'clock in the morning, and in order to do that, I'm going to have to leave after service and be there uh, for the funeral service in the morning at 11. J.C. Dillon like to ask you to remember the family in prayer. My little sister, Sister Juanita, is going to go with me. And uh, we're going to be there with them and be in service with Mother, Lord willing, tonight in Summerall at Brother Pullins. I've kind of purposed in my heart that uh, when Mother went off that I was going to try to go and be in at least one service with her. And so it looks like it's worked out to where I can do that. And uh, the Lord is certainly blessing them they've had uh, eight people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, amen. Several men, brand new men have prayed through the Holy Ghost. And they said they had three in the altar, three men seeking for the Holy Ghost now. So we just thank the Lord for that wonderful victory. Brother Weeks will be here tonight, and then uh, he'll be here for the prayer meeting in the morning. He said that was his usual time of prayer anyway. So he'll be meeting here at the church at 6 for those coming to pray. And I would like to encourage you to adopt that as a part of your routine Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And that's passing by this church for a time of prayer. Prayer is going on now from 6 up till uh, 8.45. And uh, there's been a wonderful group of sisters meeting with my wife along with some brothers too. So uh, come, if you can't get here at 6, 7, whatever fits your schedule, come on and touch the Lord together. And uh, I'd really insist on, if you've got children in the school and you're coming to bring your child to school, there's just, looks like to me, no excuse not to come and pray. Because I'm going to tell you, there may be a lot of things in life that you might regret sometime, but there's one thing you will never regret doing. And that's the times you've spent in prayer. you believe that? Praise God. It is true. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we just give the Lord the praise, all the great victories. I tell you, our heart feels so full. I don't know how to give him praise enough for all the wonderful things the Lord has done around this church in the last few services. And we just thank God for it. Amen. I want to uh, preach to you today by the help of the Lord. I feel the Lord has laid upon my heart, and I'm going back again today to the book of Samuel. And I'm not moving very far from where I was at last Sunday. I want the Lord to uh, speak to us. Amen. Today in this service. Praise God. Samuel, the uh, 
fourth chapter is where our lesson is taken from today. I'd like for you to help me today, and if I could have your attention and no more moving around of what's just absolutely necessary, I trust that the Holy Ghost could speak to every person in this building. There are actually three areas today that I feel impressed to deal with, and one is our worship, and then I want to preach to you about our altar, and then the future of Pentecost, and then generation. Let me go back over it. I want to preach to you today with the help of the Lord about our worship, about our altar, and then about our future, the future of Pentecost, and then what is going to happen and what happens when sin is passed from one generation to another generation. For you that have just joined us for the first time in this study, we've been going, started at the first chapter of the book of Samuel and going through the book of Samuel. We're now at the fourth chapter, and it is a very sad story. I'll be glad when we get to further on this and get into the victories of Israel and thank God for the victories that they experienced. But it is important that we would study and have an open mind to, to, toward the word of the Lord. You know, it's a very narrow-minded and a very foolish person that anytime they hear something negative, they just close up their ears and close up their mind and they say, don't preach anything that would seemingly be uh, something that would correct my course, uh, but uh, just, well, as the scripture said, they would say, tickle our ears and tell us smooth, speak to us smooth things. But uh, I think that it is important for us to have an open mind and just whatever the Lord wants to speak to us, that our mind is so open and we're so receptive to the word of the Lord, ready to receive his word, that whatever it would be. And this is what brings us to this study today, is where Samuel is, uh, or in the book of Samuel, where the prophet Eli and the children of Israel have gone to battle. And his, they're losing the battle, so they come and take the most treasured gift that they have, and that's the Ark of the Covenant. And they take that Ark of the Covenant and they say, well, you know, we can win because we have this, and they carry it to battle with them. Somebody's not thinking straight, and I just thought of it last week. You know, their heart must have had to sink in them just a little bit when they look back and they seen the Ark of the Covenant following them out to battle, and they seen the, the evil hands of uh, Hophni and Phinehas on that Ark of the Covenant, carrying it out, their heart must have just, it just must have had to sink in them a little bit when they seen these evil men that were uh, full of sin bringing this Ark of the Covenant along with them. When they looked back, look back over their shoulder and seen this, it, it must have troubled them uh, to think that, uh, you know, here we are going to battle and the greatest press of our life and we're following and people are with us and our leaders uh, without consecration 
and without a dedication unto God. I wonder how people are going to feel, and I wonder how they feel when they're in uh, dire need of God and uh, they uh, have uh, followed uh, someone just strictly that would speak smooth things to them. I wonder how they really feel. It's when they have followed somebody that they know has just compromised with them and give in to their whim and ever feeling they had and every desire they had for the world and the flesh. I wonder how you feel when you look back and you, and you see what you know has almost been a playboy preacher. Brother, I'm going to tell you, playboys are not just in this world. There's a bunch of them that under the title and hold the office as being a preacher and even a pastor, amen, with no real true convictions. And they just, you know, they, they test the waters. They're like politicians. When they find out what the people are saying and what the people are thinking and what the people are wanting, then that's what they preach and that's what they do. It must have been a sad sickening feeling that they had in their heart when they looked around and they seen these two ungodly men by the name, these two ungodly sons that uh, had, had no real consecration and had no real walk with God and now here we are in the battle and boy I mean if we've ever needed God we need him now. Have you ever had those hours in your life whenever you just you needed God so desperately? <laughs> I mean no time for no play now. Amen. We need God. It's good to know the Lord. But this brings us to where we're at. And they, in this battle, they lose the Ark of the Covenant. Not only do they lose the battle, but the Ark of the Covenant is taken away from them. And they bring news to Eli. In the 15th verse, now Eli, the fourth chapter in the 15th verse, now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? He's not interested in finding out who he is or where he's come from. He's wanting to know what's happened, what's taken place. Tell me, give me the report. And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people and thy two sons also, Hophnine, Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken. And listen to this verse. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell down off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. And he judged Israel 40 years. 40 years he had judged Israel. Now this is the close of his judging Israel. When it should have been a time whenever he could have rejoiced over his works and looked back and said, oh, look what the Lord has done and how God has helped me. Because the Bible said that he did not restrain his sons, but he honored them above God. And uh, then it, it brings him to this day in his life. The scripture, this is what the scripture says, that, that he honored his boys above God. He put his children above the word of God. When he should have stopped them in their sins and, and what they were doing, and, a, and uh, to just brief you in, for you that have not been here, what they were doing, they were, 
One thing, they were stealing out of the sacrifice. They had flesh hooks, and they were pulling uh, out more than they should have to get financial gain, no doubt. And then the second thing they were doing, they were falling into the sin of adultery. And these two awful sins. Yet Eli knew this, and he did not, the Bible said he did not restrain them. He did not stop them from what they were doing. He was not willing to take a stand against his own children. I know I'm, I've heard it and pastored now for a number of years and dealt with families and uh, I hear the old cliche, you know, that blood is thicker than water and all this. But I'm going to tell you, I've already pastored too long and preached too long to know this, that if you're going to live for God somewhere down the line, you will be forced into a situation you'll have to stand against your own blood. And I'm here to tell you that I know that blood, it's not thicker than Jesus' name baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And if you really get what you need to get, amen, you're going to call evil evil and you're going to call right right and you're going to stand up for what's right. Amen. There ain't no getting around it. We're just soon to lay it all on the table and tell it like it is. There's sometimes you'll even have to take a stand with dealing with a companion if you do what you need to do with your companion for what's right. And I want to tell you today, your soul is more important than anything in this world. And, and if you will do it in the fear of God and with the right spirit, God will help you do it. If you do it just because you just have a contrary nature to start with and you just like to be contrary, you're still a million miles from God. But if you do it in the fear of God and the love of God out of your heart and they see that it really is the fear of God of why you're doing what you're doing, that's important for people to understand your motive, what's really in your heart. And when they see that it's really in your heart that you just are afraid of God and just want to be pleasing in the sight of the Lord, then you'll see God will fight for you and God will help you. And he's done it all my life and he'll do it over and over and aren't you glad of his goodness amen but this he failed to take this stand against his very own so now he comes down to the close of his life and when he should have been able to just kind of sit back and and rejoice kind of like we was doing last night brother looper's birthday and then he just rejoicing in the fact that his children all being in and living for god and many of his grandchildren living for the lord and, and all the good blessings that god has done and and five years ago, the Lord did a wonderful, mighty miracle and, and raised Sister Looper from the very point of death. They said she, they had already uh, had alarmed everybody with cold blue through the hospital, and they said she had, had uh, passed on. But uh, a bunch of children and grandchildren fallen on their face in a waiting room at the hospital crying and praying. Amen. It just didn't have to be like that, and God turned the situation around. That's been five years ago. <laughs> I'm telling you what, your God might be dead, but somebody's God's alive, and, and it's our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And at the very time whenever he should have been able to just look back and kind of fold his hands and say, look, you know, look what's happened. Look what God has done. I've taken the right stands. I've made the right choices. I've made the right turns in life, and I'm just so glad of what I have chose to do and to be. 
But it's quite different from that. And I've read to you, he's 98 years old, he's spent 40 years judging Israel, and now inside of his chest, the Bible said that his heart trembled. And when he came low, Eli sat up on the seat by the wayside, watching for his heart trembled for the ark of God. His heart was trembling that day. And when the man came into the city and told it, and all the city cried out. I'll tell you what happened. His heart didn't tremble soon enough. When he heard the news of those ungodly sons, that's when his heart should have really went to trembling. And that's when he should have really got stirred up. Hallelujah. And that is the reason we're having morning prayer meeting. And that is the reason we're going to have a prayer meeting again this evening. Is because we want our heart to tremble before before we see calamity coming and we see the end of seemingly all things, it's a whole lot better to be able to say, thank God I prayed, than say, oh God, I wish I had a prayed. That's a long ways apart. And I want to be able to rejoice, don't you? And I want to preach to a church to rejoice. And there's nothing wrong with looking at what you've done there's nothing wrong with this church today rejoicing over what God has done in giving us this plant here to worship God, this physical building. Amen. This is something that, that we can rejoice in, and it's right that you would rejoice. It's right that you'd pull up on that parking lot and see this building and say, oh, thank God for what God has done. There are people that I've met that there's been a little jealousy. I've detected a little envy, and perhaps maybe you've crossed some of them. And I've tried to soothe their feelings. You know, some people like to pour salt in, and, and that's my nature, but I try to resist all those temptations. And what we need to do is soothe people's feelings. And I detected that a number of times in people about, you know, the building and, and uh, things that remarks, little remarks that people would say. And I've told them, but you don't understand that uh, this has been a work that has gone on for over 50 years of labor. You're looking at 50 years of consistently prayer and fasting and believing and praying and standing steadfast and holding on and believing. That's right, 50 years of it. A dad before man. You're looking at 50 years of, of God helping people to manage money a little bit and try to manage it right and, and not to be too wasteful but to be careful, and uh, I thank the Lord for how far God has brought this church and how much God has blessed us, and I'm glad to tell you today that through your faithful giving, we started out, and there was over, I want to get this right this time, the last time I've done this, I got myself in a jam. I said that we were right about 700,000. Y'all remember me saying that? Well, I was about 38,000 off. It was 738,000, almost 740,000, 40,000 I missed. I, th I thought we were really closer to seven. Well, I got corrected. Sister Georgia Brown, she, she, she said, hey, it's, it's not those figures. It's different than that. But uh, I'm glad to tell you that we started out at about 814,000 or so, 815,000 that we had barred. And uh, God has blessed, and as of now, we're brought those totals down under uh, that 700. It's about 
699,999 cents. <laughs> Amen. It's just under that 700. And it's nothing wrong with us saying, thank you, Jesus. It's nothing wrong with us giving God praise. It's nothing wrong with rejoicing and sisters talking about it. We, we bake some cakes and we fixed some pies and, and we had a yard sale and we did this and we did the other. And I want to tell you, people are much happier when they're involved in the work of God and they're having yard sales and they're praying and they're fasting. If you want the devil to destroy you, you get on the sideline and quit pulling. You get on the sideline and start criticizing and pointing your finger and finding fault with everything. Amen. If you want to you fast ticket out of here, that's a about the quickest way I know how to get out. But I want to tell you, if you'll just get in the middle of it and get a part of it and get a handful of this thing and say they can count on me to pray and they can count on me to give and they can count on me to believe. You'll just feel a whole lot better and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with this church rejoicing. There's nothing wrong with us giving God praise and lifting up his wonderful name for all the victories that he has given us hallelujah and i want it i want it, i want that to be the way that i end my life what about you i give you the example last uh, week of of men that have done that just recently we were with brother burr in march and uh, by the way brother burr is coming this week to close the deal on his house and and uh, signed the final papers. And uh, he called me yesterday and accused me. He said, I'm going to tell you what, y'all put the word out all over. I don't think he's got a choice now. He couldn't back up if he wants to. <laughs> Everybody all over the country has found out he was retiring, including his church, including Brother Hammer's church, and, and it's just everywhere. But uh, that's the way he wants it. But those people uh, for about two days and three nights you should have heard them rejoicing and giving God praise for the life work of uh, Brother and Sister Burr and how they have worked for God. Forty years they have sp had spent there in Port Arthur preaching and praying and fasting and standing for what's right and uh, then to see it uh, in like it has. A beautiful plant, uh, about $3 million plant the Lord has blessed them with and it's just within a few thousand dollars of everything being totally debt-free, sitting on the side of the interstate. And he uh, will soon be turning 75 years old. And uh, what a way to go. What a way to pass. Amen. What a way. And God blessed him. And you, know, you people know it's not anything. It's a secret here, but uh, of all the crosses that he's had, of the things that he stood for and he preached and he wrote articles and he wrote articles about sovereign church and how church should not, uh, nobody should interfere with a church. There should not be a hierarchy to tell a church what to do. They are to leave the church alone. A church are to be sovereign, are to be under a pastor and a pastor are to lead that flock as he lead, sees and feels that God would have him to go. And uh, it brought him into a very much to, to be there and to see the uh, assistant district superintendent of that fellowship and organization sitting on that platform and, and turning around to his choir. And he said, now that's the way a choir ought to look. 
And that's the way a choir ought to sound like. Hallelujah. And to hear him stand in that pulpit and say all kind of kind things about Brother Byrne. I'm talking about Brother Kilgore. Amen. Of great praise. And then men that were in that city that he pastored with that come and talk about what an ethical man and an honest and an upright man that he had been to pastor with and to be in uh, the city with. And uh, to see all those things and the honor from the saints and the people, I'm going to tell you, don't tell me that it will serve you very well to be wishy-washy with no backbone and not take a stand against sin and against this day and hour that we're living in. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And that was the question that I would like to put to Eli when Eli was sitting on the side of that gate and he let his boys commit adultery at the church and steal out of the sacrifice. I would like to ask him a question that day. Brother Eli, tell me, did you take in the liberal stand and backing off and being afraid to preach what you should have preached? Has it served you very well? Have you reaped very much out of it? Now you're 98 years old and your heart's trembling in your chest and Israel is in trouble. And, and the Bible said it was not those boys that his heart trembled about. The Bible said when he heard that the ark of God was taken, that his heart trembled in his chest. Oh, to think that the glory of Israel has been taken away from us, not just my two boys, but the thought that they have taken that special treasure chest, the Ark of the Covenant, where the mercy seat was at, where the blood was sprinkled upon that mercy seat to atone for all Israel. Now it's gone. We've lost the mercy seat. I'd like to say, Brother Eli, has it served you very well? And I think readily he'd come back, oh, I'd have been a lot better off if I'd have got up on Sunday morning when I could have let the evangelist preach. But I just felt such a burden in my heart for this church to take a stand another time against sin and tell you sin is still sin. And hell is going to be hot and eternity is going to be long. And we're standing on the brink of eternity. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled all around us as we're in this building today. Here the connection is being made and the peace of greetings that are being signed between Israel and the PLOs is nothing but another finger pointing to the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you, I'm committed to this. However, by the help and grace of God, it comes out. Hallelujah. You don't serve God for the loaves and fishes. You're serving because you're in love with his word and in love with the truth. Well, I tell you, I feel good today. I want to tell you something. I've already watched. I, I know a number of men that taken the lower road and went in a different direction. And listen, when I preach like this, I don't want anybody to take. You, you, you visualize that I've got somebody personally in mind. I don't have that. I don't want you to think in terms of some other church in this city or some other minister in this city. Amen. But uh, I, we, we're not, we're not going to do that. We love everybody, and we pray God sends everybody revival. Amen. The Holy Ghost moves for everybody. Come on now. That's right. Amen. I hope they have a great tent revival, and many people get the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. And there's a great revival breaks forth. Praise God. Amen. 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 We're not going to start taking low personal shots at anybody. But I want to tell you this. If the shoe fits, honey, you can just wear it. Because I'm not going to back off from preaching. Nobody's going to intimidate me either. <laughs> well, praise God. But I've already watched enough ministers, different ones, if I was trying to make a rational decision of which direction to go, I think that evidence proves that, uh, of course, I'll tell you something about this preaching and taking a stand. You can take a stand, and if you don't do it with a love and through tears and through prayers and through a personal consecration in your own life of laying across that altar first yourself, And that's the reason that a lot of people that don't work for them, they never got on the altar to start with themselves. They've seen the truth without obeying the truth themselves. And I'm preaching now to preachers. They failed to get on the altar themselves. Amen. And it takes that. It takes a personal consecration in my life. If I'm going to preach holiness and preach truth and help you people and lead you people, I've got to get there before you get there. So I want you to understand me, but if I was just trying to make a rational decision, when what I've already seen happen in Pentecost, it'd tell me that this is, this is the best way. When I've seen men of great stature and, and uh, glory and honor in our ranks step across that line and see them uh, turn to other things and have to do other things, and uh, there's nothing wrong with it but uh, uh, secular work, seeing them driving trucks and, and all kind of things that thought that they were going to save the whole city and have great mass revival if they had let up and back up and join in with the charismatic spirit of this world. Uh, and then to see what's happened, to see what little bit they had, it just disintegrate right before them and lose everything and have to turn and go somewhere else. Hey, I love this message. I love this truth. And there's nothing wrong with us rejoicing in our works. And if you think I've got a bad spirit today, well, you just pray for me. But I'm excited about this church. I'm excited about the members of this church. I'm excited about what God's done for us, Brother Herring, how far God's brought us. I'm excited about how people are still turning from sin and turning from the world and living for God and excited about prayer meeting. Brother, we're having some prayer meetings that just make the heavens ring. I thank God for it. You know what happened to Eli? His heart trembled too late. If he would have just wept in time and cried in time when he should have cried is when he found the evil that his boys were doing. He should have been crying then. Now, let me turn your attention to, to our worship. And I... It troubles me today in Pentecost lest we fall for a cheap sham to take the place of the real anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need more than just a Hammond organ with Leslie speakers and drums and these fast 
stand-up kind of songs. There needs to be anointing of the Holy Ghost. Crying and heart trembling, which is the fear of God when your heart trembles, it's the fear of God. It will produce substance, and it will produce more than just a shallow sound of fast music. True, true heartfelt worship. When this church worships, you begin to worship God out of your heart, there's a special anointing that comes down. Help us to never become professional worshipers, having professional singers sing to us. Hallelujah. Performing for us. But let it always be heartfelt Holy Ghost worship. Sometimes people misinterpret that because they think that that means you're supposed to sit there with your hands folded until you feel this supernatural current go through your soul and then you move. No, it means this. Because he has been so good to you, you freely give him praise. And when you don't feel like praising, but because he's worthy of it, you lift your hands, you lift your voices, you stomp your feet, you give God praise out of your heart. And you will not do that long. You will not offer up the sacrifice of praise until you will feel that wonderful hand of God come back down and touch you. I have prayed a number of times, and I'm not glorying that. I'm, just, I'm sharing this with you many, many times. It's the most enjoyable time of my life when I get in the spirit of prayer. <laughs> oh, it's just nothing like it. But I'm being honest with you. I don't think there's hardly a time that before. Learn to pray and you get a prayer life or you get in God's great squeeze chute and you feel it keep tightening up on you till you develop a walk with God and a relationship with God. You'll feel his vice just keep turning down on you. And I found out a long time ago it was a whole lot easier just to say, whew, here I go, I'm going to enjoy this. Amen. And once I got just over that hump, but I'm telling you now, after all these years of prayer and seeking God, and many times a day of prayer, and many times a day of getting on my knees and talking to God, after all this time, there still is something that goes through my heart before I start that I don't like. But I have a feeling I know what it is, and I have a feeling that everybody experiences it. And I think it is called the flesh. And that's where it takes that, getting it by the nap of the neck and the like it or lump it treatment. Amen. Hey, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to mess around like Eli did in the last and be destroyed. But our worship needs to be heartfelt. You know what scares me today is frightening is whenever, and I I don't think there's nothing wrong with it. Gospel groups come through the auditorium and people go, I've been there. And, but you know, it, it, don't ever confuse that with worship. You need to understand that's entertaining. That's just relaxing. Don't you get confused with what you're hearing. I watched one time new converts and, and uh, groups out there singing and, and one time this new convert said, ooh, isn't this great? 
No, not what they thought was great. The talent was great. The ability was great. Hallelujah. The ability was great. Their talent is great. But let me tell you, when you bring a group of people together, and they're, and as I explained to you back a couple Sundays ago, and they've all spent $10, $12, $15 to get in there, hallelujah. You know, why do people judge us wrong? We're trying to take people's money. Well, we don't charge anybody anything. Amen. People just give whatever they want to give. Don't send out any statements. Don't dun anybody. Everybody just does as God has blessed them to do. But they'll go to those places and ten, fifteen dollars and uh, it creates an emotional excitement. Well, first thing you want to get excited about, you know, who wants to be the goofy one to say they spent fifteen dollars and they're not going to enjoy it? They don't want to look ridiculous, so you've already spent your money, and of course, the hand claps and the cheers create an atmosphere in that building. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you may think and leave and think, oh, we felt the presence of God. Well, no, you felt excitement. I'm going to tell you, this is the thing that's going to sweep Pentecost off their feet because people are going to think that you can shout and live without consecration when you can't do it. You'll never have the genuine move of the Holy Ghost without a personal consecration in your life. Can I give you a quick example of that? You want to hear a quick example? It was in Samson. The brother preached about him Friday night. When Samson lost his consecration or being a Nazarite, a Nazarene. Nazarene means separation. The old-time Nazarene church did you know that's where Pentecost got a lot of their holiness? It was from the Nazarene people. The Nazarene started out as separation. The word means to separate. Samson was a Nazarene, and he was separated unto God. But when he went to Delilah's house and laid his head in her lap and allowed her to cut off his hair, he'd done a lot of things, and he didn't lose his anointing. But, brother, that you reach a time in your life, you can fool with a lot of sins and not totally lose this. But I'm going to tell you, you'll reach a point in your life, it'll be a breakover point. And finally, Samson got to the breakover the point, and the breakover point was whenever he allowed her to cut his hair. And the reason he allowed her to cut his hair is because he lost the fear of God. Let me tell you what else he lost. He lost it out of his mind that that's what, what was really giving him his power because there's no way in the world if he'd have believed the power was still in that long hair and being a Nazarite unto God, he'd ever let that woman cut his hair. See, it's like the children of Israel. They danced around that golden calf. They got so confused. They said, that's what brought us out of Israel. But when, he, when, he, when the break overcome, came to him, he lost his power, he lost his anointing. It scares me. It's frightening in Pentecost that we trade fast music and a set of drums and, and bass guitar and, and all the brass instruments. We trade all that and we, we sound like Pentecost and we still kind of look like Pentecost, but there's no 
consecration. And that brings me to my second point, and that is our altars. Our altars still need people that will cry and will pray and seek God. Listen to me close, First Pentecost Church. Listen to me. We're making a mistake around this church. If we're not careful, we, we want to see results so bad and so quick until we press people too fast when they come to our altars. We want them to get up. Get your hands up. Wave your hands. Leap. Reach. When they... Sometimes they need to stay on their face until they cry a puddle of tears over their sins, until they have thoroughly and totally repented of their evil and ungodly ways. We've made a mistake. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, all the shaking in the world won't take sin out of a man's heart. All the physical exercise we can give them is not going to take sin. All the little jigging they can do will not take sin out of their heart. If a miracle does not come to that altar and does not touch that individual, he'll never be changed. You can't run them through. You can't push them through. You can't just be doing this for the number. Well, we've got 14, we've got 16, we've got... We were having a hundred soul revival. I've heard of all that. hundred souls and plus go back in two weeks and couldn't hardly find nobody. Nobody left out of a hundred so-called hundred soul revival. People that are being taught how to speak in tongues. Being taught how to say syllables and how to mimic tongues when there's no true repentance. I'm going to tell you, on our altars, when there's true repentance, there'll be results. You don't have to worry about it. If they'll repent, they'll get the Holy Ghost. If they want to live for God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they're going to get this thing and it's going to be real in their life. I hope everybody's hearing me today. We're, you that help seekers, sometimes I watch you and you're not sensitive enough. Sometimes there are people very ill that comes to our altar. Back a few weeks ago, this young man was very sick. And uh, if, we're, if you're not careful, we're looking for a demonstration of his power whenever, whenever they need a touch that runs all the way through and through into the heart. Do you believe somebody can get the Holy Ghost without, without standing on their head and turning flips? I'm going to tell you, they can. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, I've watched it too many times. People so sick, they could hardly pray above a whisper. Hallelujah. Brother, Brother Burr and I went to a, a home one time. Several years ago, I was visiting down there, and we went to this house, a very elderly man, very sick man laying on the bed. We prayed over him, and the power of God come up on that man, and while he's laying in that bed, never had the Holy Ghost, 70-something years old, dying with cancer, the Holy Ghost came on that man, and he, he began to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. 
I'm going to tell you, the demonstration will be there after the sacrifice is there. We want the demonstration with no sacrifice. And if you're not willing to die and get on the altar, and this ain't the most important thing in your life, you can't have this. Let me, let me tell you that help people seek. Be sensitive to people. Watch people. When they're not responding, you need to back off. You don't need to keep pulling on them. You're going to drive them away from God. They will never come back to our altars. We'll never get another chance at helping them. There are people today that they're ready to tell you that a lot of the reason they don't want to pray and don't want to come to this church and we'll go back and get them. Well, we might, but it, it, it better be God. We're here to help you, my friend. This is real. This is tangible. This, is, this experience of the Holy Ghost is just as real as this pulpit you're looking at. I mean, either you've got it or you don't have it. Either you've received it or you have not received it. Either you've been born again or you've not been born again. And I'm going to tell you, when you get it, you'll know that you've got it. You'll know without a doubt that you've got it. Help us, God. Help us in all of our zeal to see people get the Holy Ghost that we don't drive them away from God. Do you ever stop and think that when you're praying for someone that's elderly, that there may be a lot of arthritis in those joints and those shoulders? You ever stop and think and you push your arm? Have you ever, and I, hear, I see people literally scream in people's ears. Well, I'm going to tell you what, if, if you... If you've got enough of the Holy Ghost that you can scream in their ears and they get it and they, they keep it and they keep praying without flinching and pulling back, whoo, you have got the power. I'm just, I'm just talking to you about our altar today. I'm talking to you about our altar. You that are new ones, you, you here maybe visiting for your first time, you just you listen in. Don't take anything personal today. I'm preaching to the church Hallelujah, but I'm preaching what I feel like preaching. <laughs> Sensitive to people that are praying for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Then the future of Pentecost. I'll tell you what's happening again. Pentecost is trying to shout and not weep. Israel taking that Ark of the Covenant out, and they said, Woo, let's, let's have another one of them glorious Sunday night services. I remember how it used to be. And they don't want to get rid of sin out of their life. They don't want to divorce the world. They want to jig, and they want to buck and dance a little bit and be Pentecost. And it's not going to work. I don't care if First Pentecost does it. I don't care who does it. It's not going to work. It's a gimmick. But look how many years it's taken for this gimmick to prove out to be what it was. I mean, they rocked on for a number of years, sin being committed in the church, ungodliness right in the church. And here... 98 years old and 40 years and at the close of it here it is revealed what has happened the proof is that they didn't have the victory when they needed a victory Pentecost wants to shout 
They don't want to cry. Boy, I'm going to tell you all something. I'm telling you, I, this is really good preaching. Some of you seem like you need to hear me say that because you have not detected. Some of you, you look like you don't know it. <laughs> so I'll help you with it. I'm going to tell you again, if Pentecostal weep, don't worry about shouting. If, if you people will come together, I thought about, you know what, it, it, it's like a team. It's like a coach. If, if that coach can get those boys to do what they need to do during the practice and harmonize as they should, there ain't no team that can stop them when there is that unified effort. That's what I am. I'm trying to coach you people. If this church will do what it needs to do this evening, if we could get, just think about 100%, everybody say 100% of participation tonight in the nucleus of this church and those that feel the burden of this church, you'd come this evening and you'd shed a tear over this service tonight. God save a soul. God give us a victory. God, it could be my husband. It could be my wife. It could be somebody that needs God. It's going to be here tonight. Give us power, God. The pastor's not going to be here, so that means the rest of us don't have to show up. Hallelujah to God. No, no, because we're a team. I'm going to tell you, there is nothing on earth that will stop the First Pentecostal Church if you just get shoulder to shoulder with me and we just do it together and we just pray together, we fast together, we stand together, we believe together, we go together. I'm going to tell you, the future of Pentecost is bright. Tell you what happens, though, people feel, if I, if I shout a little bit, then that, you know, that's it. We've got old time. No, consecration is what makes old time. People that weep make old time. Let me ask you a question today. What's made Pentecost what it is? What's made Pentecost what it is? Go back with me. <laughs> it didn't start out on Interstate 40. Amen. I'll tell you where it started out. This one down, uh, well, it was history before that, but it started down on uh, Buckeye, second in Buckeye, and a humble group of people meeting in a frame building with a petition taken out, praying, and then a humble uh, people, humble couple, which was A.O. Holmes and Sister Agnes Holmes coming here. I guess they had uh, Rubel and Arlene and Juanita to this city and uh, those girls are singing and the power of the Lord moving and, and Sister Juanita getting in the spirit and giving out tongues and interpretation and pricking the hearts of sinners where they were, they were froze in their tracks. They were paralyzed. They couldn't move when they heard and felt the waves of the glory of God sweeping over their soul. They knew there was something. It wasn't a program. It wasn't a show. It wasn't a fine suits and fine neckties and, and the best music that uh, we could, uh, money could buy. It wasn't that that made Pentecost what it was. Foolish minds have gotten their hands on Pentecost and they said, we're going to bring Pentecostal town and we're going to make it something more powerful than it's ever been and we're going to win people of great statue. And they've lost till it's pitiful. 
Because you know what the scriptures, I'm going to stay with the Bible. You go, you do anything you want to, but I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. He said this gospel, it's not going to be preached to the rich. He said the rich are not going to receive it. Why get, why get bewildered when rich people won't have it? He said not many wise and not many noble and not many wise people after the flesh are going to have this. He said this gospel is going to be preached to the poor. You go find me somebody that's broken and wretched and miserable and they don't have any money in their pockets and they're miserable and they don't know which way to turn and you let me preach to them and you let them feel this unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. Because you know why? When you got money in your pocket and you're nothing but a success, it's awful hard to come in here on Sunday morning and sit down and listen to a preacher preach. But when God gets you at the end of the road and at the end of the rope and you're right there at the end, oh, Jesus, ain't nowhere else to go. Kind of like my brother says, when you're born in the basement, there's only one way to go. Hallelujah. When your life has ended up in the basement, ain't no place to go but to God. It's going to get better from there. <laughs> and God reaches down and picks up a wretched, miserable person that feels like they're nothing and they're useless and worthless and maybe that's what they've been in society nothing and they see and then he just picks them up and he puts their feet on the highway of holiness hallelujah and they start living this glorious victorious life <laughs> hallelujah the word god gives life and more abundant life they're nothing. They know they were nothing. They were nothing when they come to God. <laughs> and then God starts blessing them. And all at once they got money in their pocket. And all at once they got a bank account over here. And all at once they're driving a car. And all at once God's blessed them with a wife. And all at once God's blessed them with a family. And all at once God's blessed them with a house. I'm telling you, friend, not what I, I think. I'm telling you what I know. Bless them every way in the world. <laughs> And then all at once, God takes a little humble group of people on the back side of a track that doesn't have anything, and they're, they're nobody, and nobody don't know them. Nobody don't even know they exist. And he takes them off the back side of the tracks on 2nd and Buckeye, and he puts them on Interstate 40 with a tall steeple reaching to the sky and a sign out there blinking. Hallelujah. Telling people. Amen. Brother Baxter said that sign was broke down, but he said, I'll get it fixed this evening. Thank you, Jesus, for a sign fixer. Hey, if you don't believe in miracles, just look at this place. Just look at what God has done. Just look around you and see what the Lord has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Come to the music. Feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, what do y'all think about God doing the work of God in these young people's life? Does that just thrill you? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The next few weeks, I'm going to be meeting with them every Friday evening at 730 after prayer meeting between 
prayer meeting and service time. I did this past week. I said, how many of y'all have talked in tongues since you got the Holy Ghost? I think all of them but one raised their hand. Hallelujah. I want to teach them. I want to talk to them. I think this is a good time to start with them. Get them started a daily prayer life. Get them started reading their Bible. Get them started getting renewed every day in the Holy Ghost. And then they can just grow and flourish in the Lord and be blessed and be victorious in God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, he's coming, church. Amen. I want to be ready for his coming. Hallelujah. What can we do? Let me tell you what we can do. We can resist our self-righteousness and any self-righteous spirit that would get a hold of us. We can resist it in Jesus' name. Number two, we can keep morning prayer meetings going and keep prayer going. Number three, we can keep our heart trembling for the Ark of the Covenant and for a spiritual move of God. Number four, support the truth. Stand for what's right. Stand with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder who it is today that I hear the call of God. I wonder who it is, amen, in this church, new convert or uh, those that's been in this church a number of years. How about it? You want to make a difference in this city? You want to make a difference in this church? You want to make a difference in this hour? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's join in prayer like we've never before, and unite our effort together, bombard in heaven. Let's let our heart tremble now. Let's let our heart tremble now. Let's let our heart tremble now. Oh, let's let our hearts tremble for the Ark of the Covenant, that we would never lose the anointing of the Holy Ghost out of the First Pentecostal Church. I remember many years ago, when I was just a child, my heart started trembling for this church. I felt a burden. I, I, I can remember the place. I can remember the, where I was praying at, uh, in our house in East Washington when, the Holy, when I felt the first burden sweep over me about this church. There were some things that had happened in some opposition, and I was just about probably 17 years old, and I remember standing in that living room praying and travailing in the Holy Ghost. And I said, Devil, you're a liar. You're not going to destroy this church. Hallelujah. I, I was just a kid of a boy, and uh, what I said or what I did would make nobody wouldn't have paid it any attention anyway. But I felt something in my heart. Hallelujah. A burden sweep over my soul. Hallelujah. You know what? It's You felt that same burden. You people have felt that same burden. When you heard something, you knew the devil was fighting us. You knew the devil was coming against the church. When you knew the devil was coming against the truth, you felt something in your heart rise up. Hey, hold it. That's my church. That's the truth. That's the message. I believe in this holiness. I believe in this way. I believe this is right. And I'm going to tell you, God put that in your heart. God laid that burden on you to where that you would stand and you would fight for what's right. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to snuff out every light. He wants to destroy every, every flicker of truth that's burning. He wants to completely wipe it out. But thank God, hallelujah, 
that God has put it in the hearts, even these young people, start your heart trembling now for the truth. Reach over and put your hand on someone's shoulder. Help me a little bit here, church. Amen. I feel such a burden. Would you please help me? Oh, I wonder how many hearts are going to tremble this evening. Amen. For this service. Amen. Tonight, uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. We believe you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We believe you. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, 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 I believe you, God. Holy, he come, oh, holy, I'm a shia. Ilamo, holy, I'm a kashia. Holy, the asiataya. Holy, ataya, alaya, kaya. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Amen, I've talked to my wife several times about it. You know what's made our prayer meetings successful? Early morning prayer meetings and kept people coming back is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But I tell you the first few times we get here and everybody just goes to sleep and you can't hardly hear nobody praying it'll go in reverse we're probably having over a hundred people coming to prayer here Monday Tuesday and Wednesday but you know in order for there to be an anointing of the Holy Ghost on this prayer meeting this evening somebody will have to have the burden for it and somebody will have to want to touch God amen I'm going to tell you one of the greatest loads is the spiritual load of a church. And that doesn't mean for somebody to get louder than everybody else. You need to learn how to pray in harmony. Sometimes you have to hold your spirit back because others hadn't caught up to where you're at. But you need to open up, and everybody needs to open up together and let the spirit of the Holy Ghost move through you. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How much pressure of life and how many trials will have to be sent our way just to get us to build and to have a relationship with God and walk with God and have prayer? I'll tell you, a lot of the heat you're getting if you just learn to pray, <laughs> you'd see that heat wouldn't be there. <laughs> trials and thorns come, and all it is is to bring us in a relationship with God. Hallelujah. What do you say? Let's let our heart tremble for First Pentecostal Church. Let's keep the Ark of the Covenant here. When you hear something wrong going on, don't talk. Don't get on the phone. Cry. 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 Everybody say cry. Cry. Cry for mercy. Cry for God to help us. Cry for God to save us. And I'll tell you what we'll do. When we cry a while, you know what we'll do? Woo, you ain't got to worry about it. It doesn't matter whether the drums plays or not. You can shout and dance and tear it up and have a time in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> when you've cried a while, when you've cried a while, you'll be able to shout for a while. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's love him right now. Lord, we thank you for your presence and your power. Thank you, Jesus, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that we felt here today. Lead us on. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for your anointing, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Turn around, shake hands. Be expressly friendly to all of our visitors. Take time to tell them how glad we are they came.